Follow Billboard. I'm Brittany. And I'm Joseph. And we'd like you to set sail with us on a voyage to the top Billboard albums of the 90s. In this podcast, we review the albums that reached number one on Billboard charts from the 90s, which we define as the cultural 90s, so it's like 1992 through 2001. Roughly from Clinton... Or Nirvana. ...to 9-11, which we feel better captures the essence of the 90s as a culture. On this episode, we review Garth Brooks's Rope in the Wind. Can you put that in there? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that in there. So it is 11.30 on a Saturday night. and We, we are 30. <laughs> what better thing to do than throw on some donut pants and record an episode you're gonna have podcast. you're gonna have to explain that for our listeners who don't have eyes. My donut pants. Yeah. All right. So I have donut pants. I have pants with donuts on them. A pant, pair of pants with donuts on them. So I got these really fluffy sleep pants for Christmas from a family member. That are, I don't even know what they're made out of. Basically, they're like a robe, but in pajama pants form. God's pubes. Whoa. 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 I, I, okay, we're going to start over. <laughs> nope. Rolling. It's 11.30. I got to go to bed soon. Uh. You wanted to do this. I can't believe you. <laughs> You're so selfish. All right. <laughs> How are you going to make me a full Bloody Mary and then say you're going to go to bed soon? What am I supposed to do just watch the Mindy Project until 3 a.m. and I'm sober? Sounds sad. You live your life. I don't even have a cat. We're one, but we're two. No. It's like dividing. That's not how it works. We united into one. You're right. I don't want to bring math into this. Hmm. <laughs> Charts and sales? You want to well, sure. you you do the podcast or you want to keep talking to these people that aren't in this room? It's just me and you. They'll hear it eventually. Or they won't. I don't even know if they'll listen. It's okay. Uh, so, charts and sales. I don't want to be a Wikipedia page, but this hit number one on the Billboard charts from January 18th through January 25th, and then got knocked off by Nevermind for a week, and then was on from February 8th through the whole month of March, and this is 1992, the album was released on September 2nd, 1991. It was the first country album to ever hit the number one spot in on the Billboard charts. I saw that. Did to debut at number one, not they, to hit it, right? I, oh, I guess. That I, was what I read. That's crazy. It was released on September 2nd, on September 2nd, 1991, and then didn't debut in the Billboard charts until 92? I don't know. Right, well, Ask Wikipedia. I'm not doing that much research. So this is album is Diamond Certified. It sold Diamond. $14,800,000 in the U.S. Do you want to guess what the uh, worldwide sales for this album are? No. Can you just throw a number out there? Is country music populating or besides the United States? Well, we're about to find out. Um, I want to say probably Australia. So maybe 30 million? 15 million 500. Worldwide? 15 million 5,000. So only sold a million copies outside the United States? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Ever. Wow. So 
Yeah. What a cultural icon so unique to America. I know. It's like slavery. Not really. Because that's other places too. <laughs> so it's 11.30 on a Saturday night and... Well, we got the we got the joke that's going to piss people off out of the way. So. Got it under the radar before midnight. <laughs> so do you have any history with this album? No, I never heard country music in my life until college. And that's an exaggeration, but very, very little country music until, like, flipping through the radio stations, equivalent of country music, until college. Um, I did have a best friend when I was growing up who was obsessed with Garth Brooks, but all I knew was that he wore a cowboy hat. Like, I knew I'd never heard his music, nothing like that. Um, she just had, like, I knew she had a poster of him, and that was it. Okay. So, did you know any of the songs on this album no. just from flipping through the radio? Or? Absolutely not. Okay. Did no. you recognize any of them? No. Okay. They're all new to me. Wow. How about you? Um, I own this one cassette. Mm. Like, I'm pretty sure as soon as it came out, I had it. Because I was a massive Garth Brooks fan when I was younger. That's so cute. You did your little hat. I did. Ah! I had a cowboy hat. Do you need pictures of that? Does your mom? Oh, uh, right if I say no, <laughs> will you not talk to her? Nope. All right. Well... You want to get into the tracks? Um, no, I have some more things I want to say about this record first. All right, go for it. Uh, so this is the first album that we've had on this podcast where I really feel like having heard it will equip me for a better life. Or will better equip me for life. Like, one of those. Um, I really feel like I've grown from listening to this album. Why are you laughing at me that way? I'm happy for you. Well, good. Uh... Also, I'd like to point out there is no reference to the album title on this album. Take from that what you may. Or is there? So, I also wanted to advise the listeners that we ran into some trouble trying to listen to this album because we do most of our listening on Spotify, which is our preferred music platform and the one that we subscribe to. Well, that's because it's the superior music platform and... Right, For so all intents and purposes. So this album isn't on Spotify. So we had no idea how we were going to listen to it unless we started a free Amazon trial, which we didn't really want to do. You already have it. You, no. You have Amazon Prime, so you get Amazon Music, right? No, that's right? not true. It used to Unfortunately, be. it's not true. You get Amazon... Yeah, okay, yeah, she get Amazon Music, but there's a whole other level called Amazon Unlimited, which you have to subscribe an additional amount for. So Garth Brooks is on Amazon Unlimited, but he's not on Amazon Music. Alexa won't play him, I assume, unless you're subscribed to this thing. Well, they probably have history. Alexa and Garth Brooks? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked Joe if he thought that maybe it was on Tidal, and he said he didn't think so. No. He has an exclusive deal with Amazon. Oh. Okay. I thought... I was under the impression that if you had Amazon Prime, you got Amazon Music too. but I guess, what, $99 a year doesn't cover that? It's more than that. They're upping us this year, by the way. 117 Things I do for two-day shipping. Yeah. Hey, Jeff Bezos, or whatever your name is, suck a dick. Whoa, whoa, don't suck a dick. Just lower my Amazon Prime prices, please. Thank you. Okay, next. Fuck that guy. Okay, be nice. He did nothing except get wealthy off poor people. Um, can we talk about some of the tracks? I'm ready. Oh, okay. 
So up first is against the grain. Can hit the beep. This world might still be playing. Nothing venture, nothing gain. Sometimes you got to go against the grain. So there are three songs in this album that Garth Brooks did not write. It's the first two, and uh, one is actually a Billy Joel cover. And uh, so this is one of the ones that he did not write. And the first thing when I first heard it, I was like, yup, this is a country album. <laughs> no two ways about that. It's crazy how this sounds like what we consider now to be classic country mm -hmm. compared to like what country music has become. It really does, though. Like, this is this is some, like, hoedown... Some hoedown shit. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I assume. I assume, I assume this gets... This is like the, uh... Like, if you throw this on at a party, like the first track, people know, like, shit's going down. If it's a country party. Like, they're like, Oh, shit! It's if like... It's a country party? Yeah. Like, like, fast and upbeat, and JR's line dancing somewhere. <laughs> it's like, it's like our Lil Garth, except Lil Brooks. That'd be better. No. But it gets me kind of, it gets me, like, excited to listen to the rest of this album, because it's upbeat, and it's, it's catchy, and surprisingly, like, the lyrics are surprisingly solid on this whole album. I think they're pretty good. What do you mean by that? Like, solid how? There's stories. There's They're thematically consistent. I would disagree with you on some of those okay. points, which we'll get into, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Um, I like this song. I, I have no complaints. He definitely comes out, like, really strong in the first song with this very unique Garth Brooks, like, warble. Yep. <laughs> and uh, kind of, like, yodeling, almost. Um... I like it. I mean, I, th I think it, it's a good stick for him to have. Like, it's it's a good trademark. He works it well. Um, and so, th I was bumping along the song until he got to the part where he was like, "There's a f there's more fo more folks than a few who share my point of view, but they're worried if they're gonna sink or swim. They'd like to buck the system, but the deck is stacked against them, and they're a little scared to go out on a limb." He has some gold. Like, if he stopped there and continued on about class struggle, I think this song could really be something else. But it's not. Instead, he's like, you're right. Everything's stacked against you. You just gotta have guts. Forget about your retirement. Forget about health insurance. Who needs it? Why do you need to pay the light bill anyway? Right? He's, he's just like, you gotta go against the grain sometimes. And I think just really glosses over what could have touched a lot of hearts. I agree with that. I mean... By this point, he's he's a pretty rich dude because his first two albums were huge as well. But I, I mean, maybe some people need to hear that. Why? In what situation is that good? When they're like, I'm gonna quit my job as a cosmetologist so that I can run away at the circus. Sounds great. No, it doesn't. Sounds foolish. What's a cosmetologist do? Really? Yeah. What What is like, that? Hair and makeup. Okay. I thought maybe it had, like, it was some space shit or something. No. no. An astrologist. Or a cometologist. Is it an astrologist or is it, like, an astronomicist? 
astronomy. Who are the people who study astronomy? Like, what are they called? NASA. Alright, fair enough. <laughs> Next song? Rodeo. Well, it ain't no woman, flesh and blood. It's that damned old rodeo. Oh, well, it's balls and blood. It's a dust and mud. It's a war. I love this song. I thought that you might. I thought I asked you what you think my favorite song's gonna be. I also, I don't think I've really heard many songs about people, like, leaving their lovers for their careers. And, like, loving their job and being drawn to their job more than their lover. Um, so I think it's also, like, a unique song among songs, period. Like, thematically. Uh, it's got a really nice rhythm. I was nodding my head along. I was down just about everything in the song, except at the very end when he's like, bow wow. <laughs> like, he says those words. And I was like, really? Oh, he has some interesting vocalizations that he does. Like, uh, well, we'll talk about that later. Um, when the song starts, I've thought this my whole life. But I, in the beginning, like, the very first, like, two lines, I think his accent, accent sounds fake. Mm. How does it go? What's the first two lines? You asked me too fast. Mm, okay. I'm not going to figure it out. But there's some good imagery in this song. It paints a story, or, you know, at least it attempts to, which is more than we can say for a lot of country music we've heard in our life. It's true. There's a lot of depth in the relationship between the woman and the cowboy. I was, like, I felt like this was, it was, uh, it was like I can see this movie playing in my head. What'd you just do? I'm sorry. You're gonna hear me crunching a pickle on my Bloody Mary in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, podcast. <laughs> but towards the end, when it gets when it gets to him like being obsessed, and he's like, "Well, what did he do? He just, he just has some broken bones and a broken home, all because of that rodeo." I'm like, is this song allegorical? Like, it, does it speak to something higher? Or is this just a uh, reflection of? Like, a universal truth. You tell me. It's deep for a Garth Brooks song, bro. I don't know about that, because I think a lot of these songs have, uh... They go a little bit deeper than I expected. And maybe it's just, like, really paying attention this time around. Like I said, uh, on Against the Grain, the lyrics are really solid. Well, he didn't write them, so... Mm. That's fair. Not that... Not saying those other songs less solid. I'm just saying that's not a compliment for Garth Brooks. It's a compliment for his production team. True, but I believe what Garth Brooks is saying as well. Like he's a very like even if he didn't write these lyrics, he's a very good mouthpiece. Like, Damn, for I him. like those lyrics. We're gonna sing them. Yeah, yeah. He's a very good mouthpiece for these lyrics. It's fair. Like I wouldn't believe Riley Cyrus or Toby Keith. I wouldn't believe if Toby Keith sang this song. It, I wouldn't believe him. Like, I'd be like, this is pandering. Mm. But if, you know, Garth Brooks is a very good, like, messenger. Okay. The third song is What She's Doing Now. Now, cause what she's doing now is tearing me apart, filling up my mind. Do you want to talk about it? He sings the shit out of this song. Oh, does he? But, is this song problematic? Uh, yeah. But why do you think it's problematic? Because it's like, I feel like it's woman blaming. What's she doing now? She's tearing me apart. 
Yeah, he does not own his own emotions in this whatsoever. I said about this song, I said, blah, 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 he's sad. <laughs> I don't feel that bad for him. Because he wonders if she's ever done the same thing. Like, picked up the telephone and tried to call him. So clearly he hasn't done a great job of staying in touch either. No, bro, leave her alone. Right? You guys are broken up. At the same time, this is kind of a, a love-to-hate song for me. Because... Yes. I think it's a human experience like to think of certain people in certain seasons and wonder what they're doing and where they are now. And for that reason, I empathize with it. He doesn't say anything about regretting his ultimate decision to end this relationship, assuming it was his decision. And he doesn't kill her. He doesn't kill her, unlike uh, some of the other songs in this album. And uh, But he just says that he thinks about her, and it's hard sometimes. I get that. Okay. I would argue that this song... If you put it into the wrong hands, it could be viewed as problematic. But I don't think it is. I, ultimately, I don't think it is. Because I think it speaks to, like, something real that people experience. And it's a very hard emotion to contend with without being, like, an asshole about it, I guess. I mean, it's it's something that people feel. They just do. And it's like saying, oh, yeah, this song's angry. That's That's a problem. That's problematic. For, like, as an example... That you think this song is angry, or... No, 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 no. Okay. Just, like, any... Like, if somebody... If somebody heard a song, and it was an angry song, and they were like, well, that's problematic, because that song is angry, and angry... And anger is a negative emotion. Like, this is a... This isn't a very positive song at all, but I don't think it's problematic, because everybody has felt this way about somebody at some point. They're just like, well, what... It just happens to be him attracted to a, a woman. How do you think this song would be different today if he had Facebook? I don't even want to think about that. I think it would be... Oh, it would be a Drake song, wouldn't it? <laughs> you used to. You used to. <laughs> Send you a message and you didn't respond. <laughs> oh. Now I'm sad right now, but I still got cars. Tried to look her up, and I think she must have blocked me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can we can we move on? Yeah, sure. Right. Burning bridges one by one. What I'm doing can be. I have no pity for him right here again. Makes you want to hit him in the face. At least he ultimately realizes that he's going to regret his actions and that they are going to destroy him in the end. This is kind of like I had the question of is this song problematic about what she's doing now before I heard this song? And I'm wondering if they're, like, linked. I wonder if it's, like, Maybe. he put them, he sequenced, he sequenced them right after each other so he could, like, miss the woman, but then the next song he kind of brings it around and be like, oh, this is my fault, and I realize that. He's, there's, like, no remorse, though. This is what gets me. I know people in my life, it has made me really, really angry when they're like, Oh, well, I guess I'm just going to burn that bridge. And, like, are very, as he is saying, conscious that that's what they're doing. And they're like, well, don't know why I can't stop doing it. But, like, made no effort to actually try to stop doing it. And it just, you know, it, I guess that maybe it's personal for me that I don't like this song. No, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with his viewpoint in this or, like, I'm not on his side in this one. But it's still, like, a pretty sad song. I'm not sure. It's got that classic country bass. Like the bum, 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 bum. I had something else to say about it. I don't remember. Give me a second. Okay. Never mind. 
Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Next track, Papa Loved Mama. Mama was a looker, Lord, out to shine. Papa was a good look, yellow sky. Papa loved Mama, Mama. I feel like you're gonna have a lot to say about this, so why don't you go ahead? I don't have that much to say about it. When I saw the title for this song, I wondered if it was a play on the like, Papa loves Mambo, do 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 do. Mambo loves Papa. You never heard that song? No. I think it was like a Chili's commercial. But it was about, it was about Mambo. So I was like, oh my gosh, maybe that was a Garth Brooks song before they turned it into a Chili's commercial. But it wasn't. Nope. So, holy crap. Uh, this guy kills his wife. And well, Garth Brooks No. Is, He's the son. I know. I said okay. this guy. Garth Brooks is very cavalier about it. Very cavalier. That's what struck me as like the... The weirdest thing about this, because the instrumentation is really kind of joyous and it's like a rockabilly murder ballad, except kind it's of. not a ballad. Right, yeah. Listen, women have needs. Was it wrong of her to run around on his father? Yes, clearly. Was she lonely and needed a flesh and blood man? Definitely. Did his dad do the best that he could? I don't know, maybe. It sounds like he tried to call every night. He tried to come home early and surprise her with flowers and wine. That's a nice thing. But when it came down to it, he wasn't there at the end of the day. And she needed someone who was there. Maybe they just had different love languages. And this is all a big misunderstanding. Can't keep hanging on the telephone. Needed something warmer than the telephone, yeah. is that what he says? Yeah. I like that line a lot, actually. I did too. And I was like, mm, I'll get you, pumpkin. I know what it's like. That sucks. Um, but did he have to run his tractor trailer into her hotel room? No, he did not. That was completely unnecessary. And it was not nearly as funny as Garth Brooks seems to think that it was. A little bit over, uh, melodramatic there. Like, I, I mean, I assume this guy owns a gun. He could have done that. He could have done this way easier. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been as dramatic. Yeah. I did not want to like this song but I thought it gave a lot of depth to the story and I felt like the characters were fairly well fleshed out like you can see you can feel this kind of like happening mm -hmm. and I was I can't fault the song for doing that you know what I mean I think I know what you mean like it's I I don't think it's a it it's not my favorite song on the album it's not anywhere close <laughs> But I was really surprised, especially after, like, the shock of hearing the chorus for the first time, and then it continuing. Like, wow, this, uh, very cinematic, almost. Like, you've, this is a, this is a story, again. Like, I, I think the lyrics are, I think the lyrics tell a really good story. Yeah. It's definitely, the, I, I would say, sort of what you said earlier, this album does have some classic country elements of, like, storytelling, and I think it does it really well. I have nothing else for this song. Okay. Let's move on to track six, Shameless. I'm not a man who's ever been insecure about the world I've been living in. I don't break easy, I have my pride, but it... This is a Billy Joel song. Yeah, but it beats the fuck out of the Billy Joel version. I haven't heard the Billy Joel version. You don't need to. Nobody needs to. Hey, Just listen to the Garth Brooks hey, version. Hey, I like Billy Joel. You can like Billy Joel, 
but this is like late period Billy Joel. This is like almost River of Dreams Billy Joel. Well, whatever. What really, did you have to say about this song? Really like the production. I like the little echo they got going on there. Kind of like tone blending a little bit. And then towards the end of the song where he really like amps it up, it's almost like old school, like 60s R&B, where they just like build the song. And then by the end, he's just like, I mean, he didn't have to go that hard, but he did. But I mean, he brings in the backup singers. Yeah. He's going. He's going hard. It was like, oh, hey, lady and ladies. <laughs> Thank you, Garth. Hashtag God bless. <laughs> what? I thought this song was really nice. He can't walk away from her, he says, so he's not going to burn this bridge. Right? I, my one thought was like, I bet so many couples danced to this in their early 90s weddings. Like, so many. Or so many, like, men performed this song for their wives at the weddings. Um, it really, like, it really approaches, like, power ballad. You it know? does. It does. Um, like, like you said, especially towards the end. But it ruins the moment for me. Like, at the end where he says, I just wanted you to know. <laughs> like, he goes to this huge soul-bearing, triumphant love ballad, putting his, like, everything on the line, and he's like, just wanted you to know. Like, you, I like you killed the moment, man. I don't know. No, no. He's not like, you must know this, or like, it is all I can say to tell you this, and this is my sole truth that I know. He's just like, oh yeah, no big deal. It's just, you know, it's just a thing. I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I, I do disagree with you on that. I think it's, uh, I think it's, he, he's trying to, he's trying to play it off like he's, he's still the cool guy. Like he, I don't know. I might've read more into this than I should've. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think he accomplishes that. Like, I think if, if at the very end he had been like, yeah, so, uh, just so you know. But instead he like sings it still dramatically. Just, I just, you know, just so you know, or like however he says it, and it didn't work. It didn't work for me. I don't know. I thought it added, a, I thought it added another layer to it, because I don't think the song is like 100% a love song. I think he has, I feel like there's a backstory we're not getting to this mm -hmm. song. Okay. And this is his confession to her after everything they've been, been through, and all this stuff that's been going on, he eventually, like, comes to her with, like, the power of love. That sounds dumb, well. but it's true. And then he doesn't get a response, so he's like, well, I just wanted you to know this is how I feel. He didn't breathe the whole song. How could she respond? Well, when you're given declarations of love, you don't really give the person the other chance because you finally, like... God, you, you figured out everything you want to say, and then it just comes pouring out, and then you just start rambling. Then it, he's just like, just wanted you to know, trying to trying to be like, oh, I, I know that I just embarrassed myself in front of you, because this is this is a lot of heavy shit. I cannot imagine a song being sung for one person, though. Like, this has to be a song that's sung in a full stadium of people. There's, oh, yeah. Like, it, it, you can't listen to the song at five. It has to be at 11, you know? I would love to be in that stadium. That sounds like a great time. Well, I'm sure that the 1992 Dallas Cowboys would love to have you. I'm sure you performed at the Cowboys Stadium. Yeah, maybe. Where's he even from? Uh, Probably Texas. I don't know. We should figure this out real fast. You don't fast. wear a hat like that if you're not from Texas. Or sure have a 
image consultant from Texas. I wore a hat like that, and I'm not from Texas. Only because you were trying to be Garth Brooks. That's true. I almost succeeded, too, if it weren't for my... Age? Lack of talent. Oh. You'd be a hot country singer. He's from Oklahoma. Well, close enough. Yeah. Borders Texas. Tulsa. Oh, that's where Hanson's from. He's 56 years old? He's only 56. Oh, I thought he was way younger than that. Oh, wow. No, I thought he was much older. I thought he was, like, in his 70s. I thought he was, like, in his 40s when that came out. Oh, no. He was, like... If he was... Let me see. This came out in 91. It's like 20 years ago. So, if he was... Sick, he would have been... 28 years ago. He'd been almost 30 when he sang that. He's younger than me singing this kind of stuff. Yep. That makes me feel very old. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. I was just watching The Mindy Project, and there is this one point in the thing where she's, like, trying to convince her boyfriend to put out, like, act a scene and be like, you have to act like you're really upset. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. She's like, you ain't. And she, he, like, tries, and she's like, that was awful. I need you to act like me when I find out the celebrity is younger than I am. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that in public. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how I just felt. Was that the that episode with the Dixie Carter reference? Maybe. I don't remember. Do you know who Dixie Carter is? No. She, like, ran a wrestling promotion in the 2000s. That's funny. <laughs> like, heard that name and my, like, neck snapped. I was like, what? No, it was different. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to our okay. next song. Okay, so track seven, Cold Shoulder. The snow is piled high on the highway. I did like the fiddle in this song. I had... Violin, whatever it is in this one. It's country, so it's a fiddle. But it's played slowly and emotively, so I don't know. Violin's classical music. Fiddle is when you're Rudy Toot Tootin' with your... You know what they say. Friends in the country. I don't know. You're trying to play in Texas. Better have a fiddle in the band. So. I'm not even sure what they say in Texas. Alright, anyway. I had a thought. Mm. It might have been a big thought. Mm. And I might have not been able to stop that big thought. But is this song from the perspective of the Papa from Papa Loves Mama? I did think about that. Possibly. He even equates the highway to a jealous woman, which would yeah. reflect his own shortcomings because in Papa Loves Mama, child mentions that Papa's jealous. Right. So that would be an apt comparison for that character to make. I think it puts a lot of weight on to like being away being a truck driver and being away from home. It's definitely not something I would have ever thought about before. Like they're just they're on the road. That's all you think about. But you don't think about them as people, you think about them as truckers. You think about them as truckers. Yeah, I think that's but... an overgeneralization. I don't think all people feel that way. But the note that I did make about the song was Garth Brooks was like, I'm going to make an album for truckers. And he did it. He really did it. Um, so I did know that he wrote most of these songs on tour. He was on tour the year that he wrote this. He was on tour 250 days of the year. And he used the last 100 to record this album. So I think that he probably drew a lot of those everyday job kind of things to like his tour job yeah so probably took some inspiration from that um but my biggest sticking point with this one is the analogy like is he getting the cold shoulder from the woman that he's thinking of 
or is he cold because it's snowing outside and his shoulder is cold because he's not covered up? No, it's the, he's hugging the old cold shoulder, like the shoulder of the highway. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. So many meanings. It does. It's, it's deep. <laughs> it's really well written. I never thought I would, I would go into a, like, a Garth Brooks album, let alone a country album, and be like, wow, this is surprisingly, has a lot of depth to it. Because country music tends to be mostly on the surface. Like, that's part of the appeal of it. I would disagree. I would say there's always one really good piece of imagery in country songs. That's true. Sometimes two. And sometimes <laughs> it carries out the whole, th the whole thing throughout. Good pun. Very good pun. What? The cold shoulder. Oh, yeah. We bury the hatchet. When it comes to forgiving, baby, there ain't no doubt. Good lyrics. Not so great singing. I thought this had very characteristic Garth touches. It had that warbling and then right into the deep bass. We bury! Okay. Not that part, but... Oh, that cracks me up every time I hear it. Uh, this song is really catchy. It is. It's really catchy. I want to ask our friend JR to teach me a line dance to it, because I know he must know it, and there must be one. But this really kind of struck me as like, haha, isn't our dysfunctional romance funny? This is totally not toxic. I would rather listen to... I mean, I would rather listen to this approach to it rather than Love the Way You Lie by Eminem and Rihanna. Mm. Yes, well, you know my feelings about Eminem. Well, that might be the worst song I've ever heard. Mm. And I knew so many people in college who loved that song. Who were in fucked up relationships. Yeah, and, and said to me, this, this, it just, it, it's me and this other person. You You're know, like, no, break up with them. Stop that. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you dating a guy who, like... Lies to you. Well, isn't there, like, one verse about him, like, punching the wall... I think so. And being like, I, I wasn't ever going to hit you. I was, I was just going to punch the wall. It's like, that's dumb. Chris Brown. <laughs> All right. I had a thought about this one as well. It was a big thought. He's having a lot of big thoughts today. I know. Garth Brooks just makes you think, man. It's that big head he's got on that big hat. <laughs> you know what they say about big hats? No, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is someone who hooked up with Mama? No. Like, Cindy? Could Cindy be mama? No, I doubt it. A dead dog lie? No. Eh? No. No? Too far. You've gone too far. Am I in a Garth Brooks rabbit hole? Yep. I'm okay with that. Next song? Next song. In Lonesome Dove. Back to back with the Rio Grande The Christian woman in the devil's land She learned the language and she learned... I feel like this is one of those songs that was buried on the album, and I don't think a lot of Garth Brooks fans will even remember this as a song. I think that it's one of the stronger ones on the album, but I don't think, like, anybody's gonna be shouting this at a concert. Be like, hey, play In Lonesome Dove! Like, I feel like it's it's one of those forgotten ones until you bring it up to a Garth Brooks fan, and they're like, oh, fuck yeah, that was a great song, wasn't it? I can definitely see what people think it's a great song. I... I think, as far as storytelling goes, like, it's really strong. I It stood out to me as one of the stronger songs on the album. Like, I was surprised to hear you say no one would remember it, because it really sticks out to me. Unfortunately, I have a lot of problems with it, so I can't like it as much as I want to. Well, you gotta think, this song has 
Rodeo. That's Shameless. It has... It, there's like five singles in this album. Mm-hmm. So I think this is definitely not a song he plays at every concert. Like he, like I assume he plays rodeo at most concerts, because that's a banger. But I don't, I, I bet in Lonesome Dove is one of those songs where he just like walks around to his bandmates and he's like, hey, we're playing in Lonesome Dove tonight. Let's do it. We're gonna do it right now. And then only, like it's one of those songs for real Garth Brooks fans. Like the casual Garth Brooks fan probably isn't gonna know this one. It just, it has that feeling. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. I felt like um, the song really showed off his very clear vocals, especially in the beginning. He sings it differently. Yeah. He sings a lot of the other songs. I agree with that. Also, could practically hear Amanda Shires getting influence from this <laughs> song. Like, I think that, especially in the beginning, it has a lot of the way that she sings, the way that she writes in there. Um, with, like, the descending melody and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I, like, I, like I said before, I like story songs, so I, I really liked this one. It had a very strong story oh, throughout the whole thing. Oh my god, I would watch the fuck out of this movie. I almost looked it up to see if it was the Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman theme song. Like, it told, <laughs> like, that good of a story, you know? And it was, like, that time, time period. I was into it, and then that last verse where he's like, well, the shots ring out from an alleyway, and if you ask, if you ask a lot of people, they'll tell you where the shots, they'll tell you who fired them actually fired the gun. Who shot the shots? I I think that's ambiguous. I didn't know if he was talking about his it was like if it was like a ghost story almost or if it was his mom. Well, so that was my question like was it supposed to be the mom? Was it the father who's actually not really dead but left the mom? Cuz he's like he never says that the father like he says he just didn't come home. Like, he doesn't say except later like the people who killed his father. Well, like maybe allegedly killed his father. I know. Right? Like, they're so... Like I said, I would watch the fuck out of this movie. So, but it's so... This is why it is problematic for me, though. Um, first off, the main character in this song does not have a name. This song is, like, rife with patriarchy, and it makes me so angry. She is, A, the farmer's daughter, B, the Texas Ranger's wife, and then C, the Texas Ranger's mother. Like, she never gets a name. She never has a Even though this whole song is about her experience, she is known as a wife and a mother and a daughter. Like, that is all she is portrayed as. Well, she's the first verse. The second verse is first verse, she's, the son, right? Uh, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. I do agree with you, though. It will made me really angry. And then, like, the whole freaking chorus is, like, a Christian woman in the devil's land. And she learned the language, but, you know, she had to learn to fight. And, okay, that is not white supremacy, right? I don't think so. Uh, yes. I think it's just the Wild West. A Christian woman in a devil's land. Like, she's definitely, like, an Indian country or a Mexico border. Like, either way. She, like, learned a language to be there. I, th- I think it's a pun. Well, I think it's the same kind. Of, I think that the slave masters would agree with you when they said <laughs> that slavery was punny. I think he leads you along that path, but I think where he's like, the Christian woman in the devil's land, it's like, the Wild West was ruthless. And she had to learn how to be tough and how to fight and all that stuff. And she had to know that things weren't always going to end good just because her husband was the Texas Ranger sheriff guy. And she had to learn the language of, like, pain. I totally but I disagree with you. I think she had to learn a lot because her husband protector had died. Well, that would reflect on the times, kind of. I mean, not that it makes it better, but... I think it's a... I, I still have a problem with the Christian woman in the devil's land. Yeah, that, that kind of... That struck me as a little odd. 
but I'm I'm gonna give Garth Brooks the benefit of the doubt here. Okay, he's never got that before as a white man. Oh. Next. I don't know. Oh, also, though we don't hear her name, we hear the name of the place roughly 85 times. What's the name of the place? Oh, Lonesome Dove. Jesus Christ. Um, it's actually more like 8 to 10, but... Yeah. That's a lot for a short song. I thought it was a very good storytelling song. And Like there... I said, I agree with you, and I wish I could like it more because all the ingredients that I want to like, I just can't get over, like, the misogyny and the racism. I don't, I don't think either of those exist, though, because I think it would be a weird song if he was like, her name's Becky. This is Becky, everybody. I don't know. I think you really easily could have been like, Anna was riding in the blah, 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 and when it caught a fire and this man rescued her, and Anna became his wife. <laughs> no, like, he at least give her a name. What if her name was like one of those that didn't fit the rhythm of the song, though? Like, like Stephanie. <laughs> Yeah, there aren't really many songs about Stephanie's, are there? No. I mean, some. I bet Fountains of Wayne could write the hell out of a Stephanie song. They probably could. Yeah. Stephanie, can't you see? Yeah, yeah. that could work. Fountains of Wayne, if you ever hear this, write a song about Stephanie. She deserves it. She's out there. Somewhere. Wasting away. No one's singing a song. No one's making her make CDs. We're doing this job for you. Just go ahead and write it. <laughs> Thanks. Give me your money, too. No. I need it. They need it. I need All it. Alright, next song. And I will sail my vessel Till the river runs dry Like a bird upon the wind Okay, so here we have the exact opposite experience of the Michael Jackson album, which is that, surprise, we're at the last song. <laughs> <laughs> and like this, and like the Michael Jackson album, this song is cheesy. Yeah, it's really cheesy. But it's kind of like, songs with this message usually suck. And this one's surprisingly okay. positive. It's, it's a like, really nice graduation song. Or like an adaptable, non-identified, culminating moment song. Well, I'm not graduating. I'm 30 and the song spoke to me. Oh, what are you going to do? I'm going to sail my vessel till the river runs dry. What's your river? It's your paycheck, isn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I said it actually does remind me of, um, I thought it was a different Michael Jackson song. I thought it reminded me of Keep the Faith, more so than the very last song on Michael Jackson's album. The one we don't remember because it wasn't really a song. And also because we were like, why would you end the album this way? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I did like the acoustic breakdown at the end, like where he kind of like drops out the music and it's just like vocals and drums. That was cool. You should see that shit live. It's awesome. I'll bet. Have you? Have you seen it? I've seen it on TV. Uh. I had a couple Garth Brooks VHS concerts that I... Well, I guess it technically illegally recorded. Because you're not supposed to do it. You weren't supposed to do it then. Tape TV? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was against the law. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's how, that's how you got it. That's how you watched it again, right? Yeah. I had a couple... Of, couple Super Bowls on VHS. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Super Bowl, W games, movies that were... Like, movies only play once a year. Like, they would record those. They could watch them other times during the year. I had the... Uh, Wizard of Oz. I did have the Wizard of Oz. I had the Roy Orbison concert from 87, like, shortly before he died. That played, and then Garth Brooks's thing played. He used to do this really cool thing. 
where he has a song called Standing Outside the Fire, I think it's called. And during the song, like, flames would come up from the stage. What? And he would walk through them. Holy shit. And I thought that was the coolest shit when I was, like, four. It's still pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. It's cool when Beyonce does it, too. Like, it's just cool, you know? Yeah. It's pretty metal. I'm sure he doesn't actually walk through them. Like, I'm sure that's what it looks like. No, he does. He, he His jeans are special made huh. to, like... There was a Garth Brooks documentary, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what? if they call it a documentary. It's a, probably a tour diary. Stop. Do you have anything talk... else to say about this song? Yes, I do. Okay. Key change. Uh-huh. It was awesome. Okay. That's it. That's I got it. nothing else. All right. So here's something funny that I read. Garth Brooks said, uh, This album became a lot bigger than I ever thought it could possibly be. When I listened to the singles off of it, like Rodeo, What She's Doing Now, the River, Papa Loved Mama, and Shameless, I look at it and stand very proud. And then when I also look at the cuts, Against the Grain, Cold Shoulder, these songs I'm equally proud of. He just said seven of the ten songs on this album, so like, so, which songs is he not proud of? Uh, so Burning Bridges, Papa Loved Mama, and In Lonesome nope. Dove. Nope, he mentioned Papa Loved Mama. Okay, uh, We Bury the Hatchet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean... No, I agree. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so, um, what is your, what what do we do next? The, uh, rating or the leave it and keep it? Um, let's do, why was this popular first? Why do you think this was popular? Well, you said Garth Brooks was already popular. He was, but he wasn't like. people wanted more Garth Brooks. Yeah, he had like a, he like had a rocket strapped to his ass at this point. Well, he just finished a, a huge tour. Yeah. So. But he was still. He wasn't, I don't think he was a household name at this point, but he was, like, getting to be there. And I think this was his breakthrough. Okay. Like, his album before this had uh, The Thunder Rolls, um, Two of a Kind, uh, Friends in Low Places. That one I've heard. Yeah. So I think Friends in Low Places was his, like... Oh, yeah. Anything after Friends in Low Places is going to be huge. Everybody knows. Everybody knows Friends in Low Places. Even if you don't know country music, you know that song. Even if you don't. So I said. Oh, I thought you said if you do. Even All if right. you don't know country music, yeah. you know that song. So I think this was, like, his moment, and it didn't stop for nine years. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. What? It's a joke. I don't get it. A moment that didn't stop for nine years. Oh. <laughs> it just kept going. It's so weird that Garth Brooks's like, first part of his career ended when 9-11 did. Because you would think that, maybe it's just because he didn't write a 9-11 ballad. Alan Jackson, or, uh, what was that shitty band, Live? He also just retired from music, so that mm. could be part of it, too. Why did you think it was popular? I just think it was his moment. I think he had enough goodwill built, and I think that people... I mean, alt-country was huge in the 90s, and I think this was far away enough from the country of the 80s, kind of like the cheesy, string-laden like Nashville sound kind of stuff where it was it was a little bit rock and roll it was a little bit rock where it would it hit a chord with middle America this one yes because it was it's not like I mean I don't know I don't know how much history you you have with how Garth Brooks was seen critically but zero zero okay so people hated Garth Brooks why because he diluted country music mm. into like rock music and people were very confused by that, even though they're not that dissimilar. 
the way people look at Sam Hunt now. Who's Sam Hunt? Body Like a Back Road. Oh. Where he's kind of like country, pop, R&B, rap. Okay. Like a hybrid of everything. People felt that way about Garth Brooks, too. Like, they were like, this is this is country music. It's it's rock music. Hmm. Like, and then you hear Against the Grain, and you're like, you're kind of wrong. Mm-hmm. You're very wrong. This is this is definitely country music. Wait another uh, 20 years, and then see what you say. <laughs> Strap on in, <laughs> pumpkins. <laughs> But yeah, I think it was his moment. I think he... This is this sounds weird. It's going to be a weird statement. But I think he kind of deserved it. Like, this was the, the uh, apparently the first country album to ever make it to the number one spot. And I can't think of another country album. I mean, maybe a Willie Nelson album. But I think this was, this was the right time for a country album to hit the top spot. So as far as uh, critical reception goes, there's really not that much out there that's not, like, immediate because country music has never been a genre that critics have really talked about. There's some, like uh, Robert Kreisgau. What? Robert Kreisgau is a popular Rubber? Critic. Robert. Robert Kreisgau. I thought you were saying Rubber Krakow. <laughs> and I was like, that is a metal band, clearly. That is not a critic. Rubber Krakows? Krakow, like oh. Poland, like the internment camp. Mm. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's why I said that's a metal band. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I did not know that. Alright. Things you learn from a Garth Brooks album. But there's not a lot of, like, critical stuff out there. And apart from an album we're going to get to later, most country albums that hit number one are generally very popular among country fans. Like but this one's not? No, it is. It's just, like, critics don't talk about country, country music. Like, they just don't. I don't know why. They, they're starting to now with, like... Casey Musgraves and Brandy Carlisle and uh, Ashley Monroe. Spins always had a very healthy respect for Miranda Lambert, which is why I read them instead of other magazines. But yeah, it's it was never it was never a critics genre, really. It, it really still isn't. So there's not really that much to say about critical reception as far as Garth Brooks goes. Rope in the wind. Okay. Anyway. So, we can be we can be trendsetters on this. We can be the first people to ever publicly say that we liked the Garth Brooks album. Yeah, I liked it. Okay, so out of five. What about five what? So remember, there's a thing for each album. Yeah. Um, hat, five, I don't know. Five cowboy hats. How five many cowboy, cowboy hats. hats. Yes. <laughs> How many how many cowboy hats would you? I'm gonna give him four and a half cowboy hats. Four and a half out of five. Yeah. You liked it that much. I really like this album. I would I would buy a copy of this, which I'm gonna have to do because I can't listen to it on Spotify. <laughs> True. Um. Yeah, I would like I would listen to this album. Also, props for it only being like a little over half an hour. It was easy to get through. I didn't hate my life. Like I want my hours back from Nirvana. I don't <laughs> want my hour back from this one. Fair. I would totally put it like it'd be great to have in rotation with a CD player, you know. Um, however, there are, like there were some songs on it that were like meh, but I think the more I listen to them, the more I'd like them. So yeah, four and a half cowboy hats. Okay, I'd give it three and a half. Ouch. No, that's that's pretty good for me. Like I do, I do the Netflix scale. Like five is love it, four is really like it, three is like it, two is don't like it, one is hate it. I almost really like this album, but wow. I'm more than like it. So it's like right there. 
What would you rate me? You? Yeah. There's the right answer here. Six out of five. Oh, baby. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your leave it track? Delete it forever? Delete it forever. Delete? Oh. This is tough. This is, uh, probably Burning Bridges. I'd probably get rid of that one. Just because it's the one I care about the least. Yeah, that one's up there. I originally had put down in Lonesome Dove because I have all those problems with it. But I think I would just send him back to the writing table to try to fix them. Because the rest of the song was really good. And I would just scrap We Bury the Hatchet. Oh, I forgot about that one. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and change my pick. We can get rid of that one. Because okay. I, I don't really like the whole... I almost wish that one was a ballad. The Hatchet one? Yeah. Like, it'd be more effective. It's a totally different song. I know, and it might be better. That's why I'm getting rid of it. Because it could be better, but it's not. And also, he does that weird thing where he's like, We bury! I don't really like that. Mm. So I guess Burning Bridges is fine. But the fact that I completely forgot about We Bury the Hatchet... Means it should go. Means I can just get rid of it. And yeah. I'm not going to notice. Maybe we can insert that bonus track in there and just, like, shoo that one away. We didn't listen to the bonus track because bonus track wasn't released until he released the box set in 98. Yeah. So we wanted to listen to this album in its purity, so we did not include the bonus track. Didn't you say something about white supremacy earlier? Wow, Joe. You said it, not me. No. Yeah, that's what I thought. What's your keep it track? You go first. Rodeo. Gonna go with Shameless. Ooh. But I can be persuaded to keep Rodeo as well, All because right. I think that's a more, some more, that's a banger. I think Shameless is the best performance on this album, but I have no problem with keeping Rodeo. Which is going to be really hard to add it to a Spotify playlist because... Oh no! You're right. Maybe we can add a karaoke version of Rodeo. Or we can add the Billy Joel version of Shameless. And then you can just pretend it's the better version no, that Garth no, Brooks No, we need sings. to try to find a Garth Brooks imitation. I don't think anybody can do Garth Brooks like Garth Brooks is Garth Brooks. I'm sure I'm sure Kids Bop is out there doing his thing. <laughs> Unsubscribe. Unfollow. I don't like it. Alright. Anything else we do at the end of this? Let's, uh... What's next on our list? Bury the hatchet on this episode. Wow. I think next is Def Leppard. What? Yeah. We get some prime, past their prime, Def Leppard. Oh, God. Good luck. Won't be as bad as Nirvana. Okay. It won't be. I guarantee it. Okay. Well, see y'all next time. Okay, bye.